What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America podcast. J.J. Cooper, Kyle Glazer joining you on a a soon a chilly uh, day here in North Carolina. I'm I'm from North Carolina at this point now. I've been here 12 years. Kyle is from San Diego. I'm kind of dressed uh, warmly. Kyle's got I think a parka on here as he my preps. Columbia ski jacket. He's, he's prepping for the uh, for the uh, winter weather we have coming in. With that, we wanted to, you know we know that there's storms going to hit a little bit or you know up and down the uh, all all across the country. So we wanted to give you a good podcast to uh, to enjoy over the weekend. We'll have another one that we're going to put in the can tonight, and we'll have ready to give you on Monday. But we're moving on. We finished up the AL Central, so now we're moving on in the podcast. On the site, we're posting the final five. We got a lot of catching up to do, but today we're doing deep breath. The LA Angels top ten, um, and uh, I- I'm going to. I'm going to give you a little bit of insight. When we were debating who was going to be number one overall in our organization talent rankings for the Prospect Handbook, the Los Angeles Angels name was not mentioned. Um, when we were debating who would be 30th, I, I heard the Angels name a lot when it came along that. And that's not something they're not used to because the Angels have been near the back of the rankings for, for quite a while now. You know, it's something where people forget the Angels had that great run of 2002 to 2009 where they won six, seven division titles, a World Series, and a lot of the core of that, at least at the beginning, was homegrown from Erstad and Anderson and Salmon all the way through to Washburn and Ortiz and then on to Urban Santana and Benji Molina and Adam Kennedy and Troy Gloss. I mean, these were homegrown teams, and even when they added, you know, Vlad Grom, Bartolo Colon, Kelvin Escobar, they still had homegrown guys with Jared Weaver and Howie Kendrick and Eric Ibar and Mike Napoli. I mean, and then that leads into that wraps up with the 09 year, which is one of the greatest drafts of all time. Absolutely, Brent, you know, Garrett Richards, Tyler Skaggs, Patrick Corbin, and you know Randall Grichuk, Randall Grichuk, and Mr. Mike. Mike Trout. I mean, it was insane those last couple years, and then. They fired Eddie Bain. It's been downhill ever since. And it's hard to see it trending back up just with the players in the system, the depth. I mean, you see one or two guys that you can say, okay, this guy, you know, viable major league future. And beyond that, it's a lot of guys you're kind of hoping and praying. Well, uh, that's what I wanted to dive in on this. We're going to talk about some of the prospects in in particular before too long. But I, I wanted to start with, I understand in some ways why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, you've got two choices, really. Choice one is, what, and this is what the Angels have been doing, I'd say, for, I would argue, for four or five years now, which is every year, everything is devoted towards feeding the beast, which is making the big league team as good as possible for this year. It's not about the long term. It's about now. And every move's made that way. And at the end of the year, you start the cycle over again. And I think we've seen that already this offseason. The offseason moves, 
They've traded for Danny Espinosa. They've traded for Cameron Mabin. Those are moves where they took the very little bit of prospects they had, and they basically acquired older guys who their, their cost, as far as their contract, it's kind of like, okay, you're going to spend some money for these guys, but you're not going to pay a lot in prospects to get them. Danny Espinosa, it's going to be cheap in prospects. You're willing to take on the contract. And every move, I mean, they, the Sean Newcomb, Chris Ellis, the guys that they have had that they've drafted, they don't stay there very long. Right. And you, you could do that or the other option. So I want to ask you, like, the other option is, is you could say at some point, we're not going to do that. We're going to spend internationally. We're going to have a draft where we're going to really, you know, we're going to build from within. Which of the two is, a, is the smarter play to you? Well, I think there's a middle ground. You know, I've, I've always sort of taken issue with this concept of it's either sell everything and win 65 games or win 95 games but have nothing. I, I kind of like the approach the Dodgers have taken, which is, hey, you can invest in the Major League product and also invest in your farm system. Now, the Dodgers have the money say, to do it, I mean, but the Angels also have a significant but, amount of money to do it, not to the level of the Dodgers. I was say, the Dodgers... I would hate to use the Dodgers example, just from the standpoint that the Dodgers have wasted more money internationally There's no question. than most teams could spend on their entire amateur acquisition budget. There's no question. I think I was referring more to the Dodgers, in my opinion, have done a great job scouting domestically with, you look at you know their prospects, and then they do have, a, you know from the Bellingers, the Verdugos, you brought the Seegers up a few years ago. I think they've got a good group of mostly domestic guys with a few key international See, guys thrown in. I agree with you, but I don't think that the Angels can do that from the standpoint of they can't do a middle ground in that their farm system right now and their farm system last year and the year before and the year before that is so bad that if you want, if you need a reliever in midseason or if you say we don't have a second baseman, which they kind haven't, of the, they they haven't. Howie Kendrick walk. We don't have a second baseman. We're gonna, we need to go get a second baseman. Really, your choices are you. you you know, again, there's and you're not going to and they've been at the major league level, because really because of the contracts for Pujols and Trout and Jared Weaver and CJ Wilson, CJ Wilson and all Josh those, Hamilton. all those contracts have meant they've been right up against that luxury tax threshold right. and they've been trying to stay below it. So they can't just say we're going to spend another 25, 30, 40 mm-hmm. million from the free agent market to get a second baseman. So what ends up happening is it is kind of this never-ending cycle wheel. And that's, and that's where the Angels are right now. And I think what will help them is Weaver and Wilson are both off the books. That's $40 million off. Hamilton, they're done paying their portion of his contract, I believe, after, no, yeah, after I, this year. Yeah, I was going to say. So, I, mean, I, I, I think, and the other thing to remember with the Angels is, look, they were division champs in 2014. In 2015, they were in the playoff race until the very final weekend. It's not like they've been struggling, scuffling, trying to stay above water for three, four, five years now. When healthy, they still have a good pitching staff. I maintain you know, a lineup of Simmons and Escobar and Pujols is productive again. Crone, of course, Trout, Calhoun. That's a good top six core of your lineup. If your pitching staff gets healthy, they've got a good little bullpen thing going with Cambridge Rosian coming up. They're not a terrible team. So that's where I say, I don't know if you strip it all down to bottom out at 65 wins. At the same time, the draft picks they've had the last couple years, they have not made the most of. And I think there's a difference between, A, they forfeited their 2012 and 2013 I was picks. Say, when you say made the most of, they, they, they forfeited, 
They did. They right. went out and signed free agents because they felt like they needed them for the sign, big league. And that's where talent evaluation comes in. You have to sign the right guy, not you know, hey, the owner Artie Moreno. I want Albert Pujols, and darn it, I'm gonna even though you know seven years and one forty, the agent says he'll call me back. I'm gonna raise it to ten years, two forty. And Josh Hamilton, even though my scouts tell me don't do it, I'm gonna do it anyway. And that's where you have to find that balance of okay, how can we augment our major league roster? while also keeping some of the people who have been maybe a little more nosy in the player development side that shouldn't have been, how do you kind of keep them at bay? Because I do think if the Angels are able to, you know, they're going to have a decently high draft pick this year, hit on it, you know, maybe hit on next year's or so. It's not like they're seven, eight, nine pieces away from contending. They're they're a good right. team. But I do think... As crazy as it is to say, I really think that with the way they're doing it right now, to me, actually makes some sense. And I say that from the standpoint of, you have this, the the Angels window, and it hadn't paid off for them, really, except for one year where they were really good in the regular season. And swept and then by the Royals. Swept by the Royals. <laughs> but when you look at it, you have the best player in baseball. Mm-hmm. And you only, you know, you have him in the prime of his career, which puts you at a great starting point compared to everyone else. You have our pool holes who that contract gets worse every year, but you still are at the point where at least he's giving you something. He's giving you something. You have the, Simmons, Escobar, right. Calhoun, Crawford. But, but even when productive. you say that, but it's like when you say Simmons, they have Simmons because they traded. They were guys. willing to say Nuka and Ellis may be better than Simmons long term as far as value, maybe, but we Simmons will help us now. Right. Espinosa is, well, we are willing to take a contract, and he's a 30-year-old. We think that there's a bounce-back potential. We'll take him. You, there, there's a lot of 30-plus-year-olds on this team. Even what we I think of as kind of the young guys. Cole Calhoun, 28 29. 29. So, you know, you look across, and there's going to be a whole lot of 30-year-olds in the lineup on a daily basis. I do think, though, I understand why the Angels – keep essentially forfeiting tomorrow for today. The problem with it, though, is, is you just hit on it. You said, if they stay healthy. And that's where it comes and I, And they're not there's, going to. And there's no depth. The pitching depth was exposed horrendously last year with Jolie's Chassin and but, Tim Wincicombe. But it's not just exposed last year. It's been exposed year after year. There was the year, the year that they got swept by the Royals. They essentially had a three-man rotation at the end of the year because the problem they have is they have no depth. And they don't have, they have the trade pieces to go out and get a good reliever. I mean, a useful reliever. They've been able to trade for like a Houston Street or something like that. They never have the pieces to go out and say, we're getting David Price at the deadline. Or we're getting, they can't get, they can't fill a hole with the starting pitcher by going out and trading for it. Because, I mean, again, like if you are fast forwarding now to the deadline this year, if you said, hey, the Angels look like they're pretty good, but they're, they need a starting pitcher, what's the top-end level that they can spend at? I'm thinking we're talking the Bartolo Colon, R.A. Dickey market. That's probably, and that's why you're saying, okay, well, if you give us Dyson Jones, we'll give you, you know, I mean, that's, you're, you give us your best prospects and we'll give you the second or third tier starting pitching prospects. And that's, and that's also the predicament they're in. And I think it'll be very interesting to see now that you have Matt Swanson in as a new scouting director. You've got a couple mm-hmm. of new faces in there. 
Billy Epler entering year two as a general manager. I think it'll be really interesting to see the, t- the track they take. At the end of the day, I think it's a mistake for people to say the Angels are going to be terrible and win 68 games oh, this no. year because they're not. But I think from a farm system perspective, I think if they just need to hit on a few draft picks because, frankly, they forfeited 12 and 13. But- they got 14. They traded it, but 15 wasn't a great draft. 16, there's some debate. I think at the end of the day, you can augment you, in that way just a, just a little bit to help from a depth perspective two, three years down the road. But the thing about it is is that they're even, I mean, when you say that, they're like, okay, Newcomb, that was a pretty good pick for no, the where they took him. You know, I, I have no problem with that. Taylor Ward was taken higher than expected, I would say, and I think so far the consensus has been borne out. Yes. But he went 26th. 26th, and that's where they've been, you know, you know 26th is something where you're gonna miss on the 26th pick sometimes. Right. You go to you go to this year and okay, they took a guy. Matt Theis doesn't really fit on their club, but first he does type, fit because he hits. He fits as a guy you could trade more than he does as a guy who fits on their club. They and I will say that they are lacking for left-handed hitters, and that was when I spoke with a couple people. That was part of it, and that right now that lineup you have Cole Calhoun from the left side, and that's it. Right. So I but think there's an idea there. But the idea there is, is if he moved relatively quickly, is really what you're talking about is, is it's either you trade C.J. Crum and you put in Matt Theis, or you trade Matt Theis because the two of them are. With Albert Pujols still under contract for, it I think, work. something like, uh, you know, a half a millennium left on that deal. 2021. Yeah. Count well, down the years. <laughs> but with that being the case, you can't, you literally cannot fit right. Dice and Chrome in the same lineup. No question. Otherwise, I, this is, again, the, 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 there's no way to say it. If you're looking for the signs of a thin farm system, one of the signs is is when you get your prospect handbook, we're only going to talk about the top 10 about those guys, but I'll give you a hint, which is there are eight 26, 2016 draft picks in the top 30. Mm-hmm. That is because when a team is thin, you end up writing up, I've done this, I've written up the Angels in the last five years. When a team's thin, you write up the guys who just got drafted because part of it is is they haven't had a chance yet for all their warts to be exposed. Right. There's no question. And that's where, you know, I think you could say with some level of comfort at this point, the Angels farm system, while still one of the absolute worst, I do believe is better this year than it was last year with some of the additions they've made. But we'll see what happens a year from now when these guys have been in, their warts maybe have been exposed, and we have a full season of baseball played under their belts. Because really, until we have that, it's hard to definitively say. I would completely agree with you that this one is better. The reason it's better is is that most of the guys who were at the top, let's just be flat out honest, after you got to about number 10 on the Angels list last year, no one after that was really going to bump the needle. I mean... You look at last year's group, there are more guys who dropped out than moved up mm-hmm. from the 10 on from last year, kind of just what you're talking about. And so you pretty much, you still have Taylor Ward, you still have Jemai Jones, you still have Nate Smith. Those guys are still there. You still have Grayson Long, those guys. And then you add in, they drafted Brandon Marsh, they drafted Matt Theis. So you do have... You've added a 2016 draft, and you haven't lost any of those guys, really, unless the guys who got traded. But So let's talk a little bit. So Jemai Jones, number one. Mm-hmm. 
And there's some things to really like about Jemai Jones. I mean, there really is. is the, he is a, a very promising, toolsy outfielder, had a really good year at Orem, um, you know, wasn't as good and in a short stint in low A at Burlington. But there's some things to like there. The other thing that comes back to is, is when you talk about he's the number one prospect, in most organizations, he's probably the sixth, seventh prospect. Yeah, and again, that's, you know, what did, uh, we've seen something where not all number, you know, 17 prospects are created equal. It's, you know, same idea with number ones. There's no question that if you put Jemiah Jones in, you know, for example, the Padre system, he's probably number six or seven. And, you know, you put him in uh, the Brave system, he might even be a little lower. I think he, though, is a very, very good player, does a lot of things well in terms that he's both physical and fast. So he's not one or the other. He can move, he can also you know, really do some things, uh, to use John Manuel's favorite phrase, he can impact the ball, both uh, offensively and, and provide a little bit of an impact defensively. But there's a long way to go. You know, we mentioned he spent the whole year at rookie ball. Part of that was he was still only 18. He was a very young mm-hmm. draft. He's going to be 19 next year when they move him into low way, so he'll still be two years uh, younger than league average when he starts. Right. So I think there's, there's a lot of raw ingredients to like there. You see speed you see some size you see great makeup you see the way he moves you see what he does in the box it's all solid it just has to keep growing and as we've seen there's no guarantee it will but at this point you look at what can he possibly be acknowledging that high risk it's a you know all around pretty darn good you know you'd say center fielder except Mike Trout will be in center field but a pretty darn good outfielder who can do a lot of good things for you which you know, is valuable. It's not top 100 prospects valuable, but it's valuable. Then you get number two, Matt Theis. And the discouraging thing with Matt Theis, now, <laughs> Fitzy, I love you, but, you know, Aaron Fitt used to work with us. We, we got a little Twitter disagreement on the day of the draft where he was like, anyone who thinks that Matt Theis isn't a catcher in pro ball is crazy. And I'm like, let me tell you, Matt Theis is not going to be a catcher. I, I didn't think it would be this quick. Matt Theis basically never has been a pro catcher. He immediately went to first base. And that's a concern because really can hit. Is there going to be the power there to be what you look for in a first baseman? Depends who you ask. So I think there was, when he was drafted, what a lot of the Angels folks were talking about was, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, high on base percentage. And again... you can do that. Right. And again... That's what Casey Coxman was supposed to be. Yeah, though he was more seven home runs, but yeah. but, but he know, was supposed to be fifty. You know, one one comparison, which again, courtesy of, to John Manuel here, that I actually thought was pretty prescient was John Jaso, who is a, in fairness, a first, starting first baseman on a first division playoff contending team. Now the Pirates obviously didn't get there, but in general, they're in. They've been in the race. And you could argue that Jaso, like. They could have used a little bit more. If, if they may have made it there, if he'd have been a little bit better. But yeah. So I mean, but again, you know, two eighty, fifteen homers. But that's three, a big three, league. Three, it's a, a long seventy on league. base. There's no question. I think that's what they're hoping for with Matt Dice. They felt that he was a guy. And talking to some Angels people after the draft, it was funny. I was completely unaware of the conversation you guys had with Aaron Fit, and I spoke to you know a couple Angels guys, and they were like, "Yeah, no, we have no intention of trying to catch her. We're gonna make him a first baseman. It's the bat. It's the bat. It's the bat. It's a combination of." A, we want him to get here as fast as possible to help, so we don't want him catching. And B, we're not sure he can do it, so we're just going to stick him at first. And that makes, again, that makes some sense. And this is really, though, the, the step, the next step is really where you go, okay, Alex Myers 3. 
And if this was four years ago, you would say, Alex Myers 3, that's a really good system. And now you say it and you go, Alex Myers 3, and you say, okay, the Twins eventually went, nope. The Nationals eventually went, nope. And now he's essentially, he was uh, not a throw-in, but Ricky Nolasco and him for Hector Santiago, and I would say it was 50-50 over which guy they were looking to, you know, to get in that deal because Nolasco actually pitched pretty well for them down the stretch. Yeah, to a lot of people's surprise. I mean, with Meyer, it's something where, given all the injuries to the Angels, though he has some shoulder soreness, which limited him last year, but given the fact that you have guys like Richards and Skaggs, you know, coming off the major injuries, Richards out, you know, Skaggs is, is back, but you never know how that'll hold up. Uh, Tropiano, I mean, all these guys have been hurt. I think you're going to he'll, he'll probably win a big league job as your fourth or fifth starter, and you just hope he can throw enough strikes. There are times he does, and a lot more times he doesn't. But I was going to say, those times he does... It looks amazing. <laughs> and they've been very few and far between. And I do not know. He's one of those guys, like, sometimes you say with these guys, like, well, you know, what about they just move him to the pen? I don't know if his... I don't think he even... He, I, do you trust him to throw enough strikes over an inning in a high-leverage situation? And the but question is, you can't really say he's shown you he can yet. The other problem of it is, is with a big guy like that, a lot of times those guys are the ones who are starting. Okay, you're going to start tonight. They have 45 minutes to get ready, to get loose. Yeah. I mean, like the guy, and Jeff Neiman is even bigger, like overall was bigger than Alex Meyer. But Jeff Neiman could never relieve because Jeff Neiman – when he was in Durham, we'd see it like the Long games would routine. start late. They'd start late because Jeff Neiman couldn't get loose in time for the start of the game. With a guy like Alex Meyer, again, who's had some shoulder issues, all this, he's not a guy that you can call down. I do not envision that he is a guy, I should say. Call down, get loose. Call down, say, <laughs> get Alex up. We need him, you know, fast. And basically, a batter later, he signals to you and says, I'm ready to go. No question. That's not going to probably happen. So I don't know. I don't know if he necessarily again. Not there's different relief roles you can do, but I don't even know if that's necessarily a fallback option for him, because it's a little. It is a little tougher when you're. I mean, there. It's not that there has never been a six ten reliever, but or six nine reliever, but it's harder to do that in some ways than it is to start at that massive size. So going back to, you know, as we keep alluding to, you know, there's a top two guys who you're like, yeah, you know, there might be something here worth liking. And immediately, once you get to three, it's the, well, we'll see group. And Alex Meyer is at the head of that. Normally, you don't want to see a, well, we'll see group until you get to 15, 16, 17. No, and, you know, the worry with Alex Meyer is, is is he going to figure it out before he runs out of options? And... I'm shrugging my shoulders. No, Again, no. we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. But what I'm saying is if you're an Angels fan, that'd be one of my concerns is, is Alex Meyer may figure it all out one day. I can't. Pro- I can in no way promise you that he'll figure it out before he runs out of options where he basically is on the you know, invite to spring training list and then one of these years maybe he figures it out. Um, after that, Brandon Marsh is four and Brandon Marsh is a, again – very intriguing prospect, and you know, that kind of was odd. He had a, an injury that basically led to kind of a longer uh, negotiation period than most guys. But you are talking, he is to me, Brandon Marsh, Jemai Jones. The hope is, is if 
you've got two very interesting athletic outfielders there. Um, if one of them, if you hit, if, if the Angels hit on one of those two, they've done really well. And again, that's nothing against those two guys. It's just the reality of it is, is that high school guys that far away, if they go one for two on that, then they did really well. No question. And Marsh was a guy the Angels had targeted pretty early on in the draft process as we were making calls. He was a guy that was mentioned to me uh, immediately as someone they were targeting. And, you know, obviously the the slow start, he didn't get into any games this year. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate, but we'll see what happens. I, I do think that you can dream a little bit on, ooh, if we have, you know, Jones in one corner, Marsh in another, and mm-hmm. Trout in center, that's absolutely a wonderful dream, but it's also probably a minimum of four years away. Right, I was going to say, that, if, that, if, that almost involves that you've re-upped Trout again. Right, which, which it's, you know... There's a lot of debate about that, but at the end of the day, I can see that's kind of the, the hope for dream, if you will, but we'll see what happens. I do think Brandon Marsh uh, has the things you look for in terms of size, athleticism. Knights have to see if those tools translate into baseball skills, which is never a given, but we'll find out. The, the thing that does stand out here is the two guys who if you were really pointing to and saying, okay, they don't have starting pitching depth. Nate Smith, we talked about Meyer, but Nate Smith, who's number five on this list, is the other guy who there is at least the potential that, again, because the Angels have enough guys with starting pitchers with injury histories that it's hard to believe that they're not going to have some injuries. And the, the idea was Nate Smith was going to come up at the end of last year, but he got hurt and missed the last couple weeks at the end of the year. So, you know, I think there was a very, I mean, they were talking about, yeah, we think we're going to bring him up. It was never official, but it seemed... Pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. good, and then he got hurt. So I don't think there's any doubt we'll see Nate Smith starting games for the Angels this year, whether that's in April or June. But that's that, gonna but that is the encouraging thing. You know, you've got him. We haven't even talked about, you know, I don't know what you can at any point count on with Manny Banuelos. I, I like what the Angels are doing here with Banuelos and Meyer from the standpoint of Why if not? you got nothing – why not? Exactly. Give give those kind of guys who were something really interesting a try. But it is something where that is a one way that they are better off now than they were at this time last year is that there are at least guys who you can point to and say, it's not implausible that Nate Smith could give you 10 starts this year. And that's something that when we came into last year, they had all these injury problems and it was really hard to point to who they who were the who were the potential fill-ins from the fall? And thus the signing of Tim Lincecum and Jolie's Chastain right. and some of these other guys. And that's why they, they did it. But, I, again, I do see it as if you have Mike Trout, you don't, <laughs> you don't say, eh, well, let's see what we can do for 19. You just no don't. Question. No and you, question. And, again, especially if you have Mike Trout and you have Albert Pujols who – by 2019 or 20 is going to be a pinch it, hitter. It, it is going to be a 25 million dollar hole in your you know basically in your if payroll his, if his feet haven't given up on right. I mean, if he's not retired, but you know you're right. But because really, with the impact on him is going to be more much more payroll than it is going to be what he. There comes a point where yeah, maybe he's playing a lesser role, but if he's taking up 20 percent of your payroll while he does it, it's a problem. That's a problem. You know, um, so I understand why they keep going for it. It is something, though, at the same time that they're right now paying for 
not having a first or second rounder in 2012, not having a first or second rounder in 2013. I wouldn't even say they're paying for having traded away their 2014 first rounder because Anderson Simmons is their shortstop. So they, they have the benefit of that. And the thing with that trade was, was okay, if he doesn't hit and he's as good of a glove man as he is, with all the Angels gave up with Newcomb and Ellis and Cash and Ibar who went in the tank, you know, that was risky. But because Simmons went out and hit last year, you can say, okay, it worked out in that sense because he gave you that production from both sides, which is kind of what you need when you give up prospects of that caliber. No, I, I so again, I, I don't even phrase it as really, we'll, we'll get to them. When we talk about the Marlins, I'll probably phrase it more as a criticism. But on, with the Angels, I understand kind of what they're doing. If you're an Angels fan, I understand. I mean, it is something where the best way I can put it is, is the Angels every year right now, I mean, if you want to put a gambling analogy to it, they're putting it all on green. <laughs> I mean, because for it all to work out, it does require a year where all the guys stay healthy. You get production from everyone. No one has a fall-apart year or anything like that. And you're doing this. You're talking about this with guys who – with the exception of Trout and a few others, a lot of these guys are on the wrong side of 30. So you have all these things that have to go well, but there's at least a plausible path for that. Now, if you're looking at the AL West right now, I mean, I think it's a good way to wrap it up. Where, do you, where would you predict right now the Angels finishing? Hmm. Who are they clearly better than in the West? Bays. The absolutely the Oakland A's. They may be better than the Mariners, but it's hard to say that they Yeah, they're... no, I mean, it's, it's a third and fourth place. But by the same token, you can also say the AL West this year, if you look at it, could be the most wide-open division. Yeah, well, I mean, what's the floor for the Astros? I mean, I think the Astros, 87-88 well, well, is probably, to me, like... It depends if they don't have any outfielders hitting. And they got Beltran, obviously, which will help. I'm just saying. It, yeah, it, they it they depends, redid depends. that entire outfield. Right. Yeah. Some, some of it depends on if, if the outfield shows up. And some of it, you know, the Mariners have made a lot of moves. I mean, the Rangers, look, they've won the division uh, really five of seven years. You kind of have to give them the benefit of the doubt no matter what at this point. Right. So that's, I mean, to me, it is something where if you're the Angels, you're not a favorite. But, but you can, but it is plausible. And I go back to, again... <laughs> When they are at full strength, they did win the division in 14. And in 15, they were in it until the very final weekend. So, again, it's not like this is a team that's been getting blown out of it each of the last four or five years. So I think the Angels have shown when they are at full strength, they are a contending team in this division. But like, That's the big is and, and, when they're at full strength. Which in, And, again, it's not like it's happened to them three, four, five years in a row. It's been one year where everything kind of went to hell. I mean, their record last year was their worst record this century and since the 2000s turn. It's not like they've had these 74-win seasons over and over and over again. They've never been as bad as they were last year since the, since the turn of the millennium. So I, I, I hesitate. I think some people pile on and say, they're screwed, they got nothing, there's, there's no hope. I th- they're a much better team when healthy than anyone realizes, and... We'll see if they can squeeze anything out of the system to at least give a little bit of reinforcement. Say this. I mean, again, no matter how bad your system is, the system was they had a terrible bullpen in that uh, 14 season, I think it was, the year that they acquired Houston Street. They had a terrible bullpen. 
they remade it by if you I, I mean I'm serious they were looking around the office and if it wasn't nailed down they <laughs> traded it and it worked I mean and again they didn't trade anything that really comes back to hurt them right. Jose they, Rondon's the, the main guy right they can you can live without you can live without right. the Jose for Rondon's what Houston the Street has given you for three years you take it they won that trade Jose Rondon oh is, well, there's no question yeah, Jose but, Rondon is highly unlikely well, but the other funniest part about that is is the Padres in that trade gave away the two best players they'll do it because they gave the Angels Trevor Gott as yes. well now the Angels flipped Gott for but Escobar still. but it, that was and what was funny about that trade which I'll never stop railing on it was obvious at the time it happened there's no hindsight here so yeah. that's that's a side tangent the point is you're right you can and even you know what the Angels had to trade for Danny Espinosa Kyle McGowan and Austin Adams, it's not all that great. You know, what they traded to get Brooks Pounders, a major league reliever. They traded Jared Ruxer, who... Is, so you can trade... They're, they're getting major they're, leaguers. They're getting major leaguers because a lot of times what we're talking about is is that Houston Street does not fit this, but when you're trading for the bottom of your of a, of a roster, a lot of times you're having the availability... Jeffrey Marte. They got Jeffrey Marte because... There are there is essentially surplus talent on big league rosters where you say this guy doesn't fit for us, and we're not going to be able to make it work for us. I mean that's what happens. So might as well take two pitching prospects and see what happens. Right, because every year teams go into it and they look at it and they say, especially when a guy's out of options, they look at it and say, where's this guy going to fit for us? I mean. Guy, just a random, but Stephen Moya with the Tigers. I think that they'll find a way to keep him on the roster. But Stephen Moya is going to be out of options. Stephen Moya is a player for whom, if the Tigers start the season with Upton and Martinez on their roster, JD Martinez, Justin Upton, Stephen Moya doesn't have a logical fit on the big league roster. At the same time, I could see that there are, and the Tigers are not a great team by any stretch of imagination, but I could see that there are other teams out there for whom, if I'm the Padres, I'd be like, yeah, we got room for Stephen Moya. Because if you're not, if you're playing not for this year, okay, well, we'll give a guy like that. I mean, he's got more upside than Jabari Blash, probably, who they... Well, Jabari Blash probably won't actually end up on the roster. No, I know, but the same, but they, they, spent, they spent time on Jabari Blash last year, so... Yeah, perhaps. That's a ra- very random way to end this. <laughs> we got a sign that said it's starting to come down out here, so I guess we're not going to get two podcasts recorded tonight before we head out. So, but we do thank you for the download. We will be back again next week with more podcasts. Um, John Manuel will be back in two weeks on this. I don't know if you're listening for John, which uh, you know he, he'll be back in two weeks at least. Maybe we'll figure out a way to get him on uh, next week anyway. But uh, but thank you for the download. Everyone, if you do have snow coming down somewhere, stay safe this weekend. Uh, For Kyle Glazer, I'm JJ Cooper. We'll be back with more American League West Top 10 Talk next week. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.